Tanya Pertesvav Shvat is the continuation of chapter 24. Al is now going to begin to help us understand and give us the ability to, through this process of self-awareness, be able to overcome struggles on a very, very basic level, our struggles with being seduced by the temptations of the world and being seduced by the taivas, the pleasures of this world. As we mentioned a number of times, Al-Tareb in chapters 18, 19 has started to discuss how even without generating a true level of love and fear, one could reach into the Avamasuteris and bring out this inner love, this concealed love that every Jew possesses to enable that person to overcome the struggles of the temptations of this physical world. For as we explained that since, as Al-Tareb says in chapter 14, the, the nature of every person is to be able to reach, to strive to be a Bainini. And a Bainini is someone who doesn't do any sins. So the question obviously is, is that how does every person have this ability? So the Altarebbe has gone on to, gone to explain that we have this Avamusoteris. So till now, this Avamusoteris has been functioning as a mechanism to overcome a challenge with Varamuna. In a matter of faith, something like a question about one's essence of Jew, of being Jewish, convert or die type of thing. But al Treba is going to use this, this idea to explain how really everything is basically a Dvaramun. Everything relates to this um, element of, of faith. As we said already in yesterday's Tanya, and it's been the general theme, that when a person does an Avera, He's completely disconnecting from God, and he's doing Avodah Zorah, and therefore he's basically putting himself in a position of uh, dealing with the Dvaramuna. Now, the obvious question is, is that that's not the way we see it. Um, the way we see things is that there's a very big difference between actual Avodah Zorah, between someone telling me I should convert or bow down to an idol, do real, quote-unquote, Avodah versus sinning by giving into temptations of, of the physical pleasures of this world, etc. How do we correlate the two? How do we say it's all the same psychologically? Meaning, maybe in, in, in a pure, uh, abstract, conceptually, from a conceptual point of view, they're the same because they're both separating oneself from God and they're creating a, a kfira and all that. But practically, psychologically, how does one have that ability and that awareness to be able to say, yeah, this actually is an Avedazar and therefore I don't want to do it. And in order to understand this, we have to really understand a much greater picture, which is there's there's two ways we could relate to the world. We could relate to the world as seeing physicality as having actual benefit and thinking that it's good, it's important to be involved in the physical world and to take out, you know, utilize the physical world. And that's one perspective. Then there's a deeper perspective, which one should have or would think about it a little bit, would recognize that that may be true for an animal that doesn't have any higher aspirations, but for a human being who has intellect, the power of, of, of abstraction, the power to reach beyond, the physical world is not satisfying for a human being. 
And as we know, the nature of things is to want to strive to something higher than itself. So man, which is possessed with a tzalem elokim, with a godly element of being able to strive for something more spiritual, thinking of the physical world as having some sort of meaning or having some sort of ends in itself, having some sort of um, the sense of uh, purpose is, is logically doesn't really work because that means you're staying within the physical realms and if you're not, you're, not, you're not transcending and lifting yourself up to something above you which is in the spiritual realms. So that is one form of understanding versus the form of understanding that the physical world, no, has some benefits, has some elements for me to enjoy, for me to take pleasure of. Now obviously we understand that there's a necessity to eat is a necessity to, to live uh, physically, otherwise we're not going to survive. But the question is, how do I view that and how do I look at that? Now, in order to a person, to, for us to realize and appreciate psychologically, how is it that when I do an Avera, I give into my temptation, I, have, I, I recognize that this is actually something which is bad for me. It's actually disconnecting from God, and therefore I'm really doing Avodah etc. So to understand that, Dr. Rebbe, and today's Tanya explains this idea based on the Gemara and Saita. The Gemara and Saita says that the Pasuk says, When a person's man goes off, she acts foolishly. And the Gemara says, based on the word Sishta, that she acts foolishly, is that a person generally won't ever sin unless there's some sort of foolishness that enters their mind, something that takes them over. And this is a very general idea that's brought, obviously, in Nikla, but in Chassidus especially, about the fact that a person who's thinking objectively, thinking rationally, will be able to appreciate and recognize that the giving in to the temptation and giving in to uh, the, the desire is actually not just not beneficial, but it's harmful. And like a person who is an addict, who, who could recognize already that their behavior is not beneficial, but it's harmful, but they don't have the ability to step away from it. But most people who are not yet at that point have the ability to recognize, okay, this is not good for me, this is not beneficial for me, this is harmful for me, and therefore stay away from it. And likewise, doing Averis, we assume that this is something rationally, that the rational-minded person would be able to appreciate how these things are actually not beneficial. Now, the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe is dealing with a question, which is, why does the Torah, or why does Chazal see this idea of a person, specifically by the case of the woman who is being disloyal to her husband? And the Rebbe explains it by saying that women, at least there's this conceptual idea of women, we don't necessarily have to say that all women are this way, or this is you know, not trying to be chauvinistic, but there's a certain nature of women that they're daitakala, which means that they're easily or more easily persuadable. They don't necessarily think into things on, you know, from the deepest level. They could be easily persuaded. Something that talks to them emotionally, something that speaks to them on a surface level could grasp, could grab them very easily. And therefore, this woman who is being disloyal to her husband obviously is a woman who's weak-minded in the sense that there's, there's a temptation that's really strong by her. There's a ruach tavosa, there's a tremendous 
desire that's taking her, making her feel overwhelmed, uh, sort of like it, it, the desire is creating a certain, uh, you know, reality for the person, for her, to the point that she falls for it and, and gives into it. And now Treba says that we see from this that even a person who naturally is somewhat weak, and therefore in the analogy here, we don't mean women versus men. We mean us, Jewish people, which are considered women. We're considered like God's um, wife. In that sense, being women, we mean that we're like on that end. We're like that nature of being very susceptible and very easily um, 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 uh, manipulated or, or carried away by the physical pleasures and delights of this world. So even such a person, even such a demeanor, and as we said, we, we very much relate to this idea that we're extremely susceptible to physical pleasure. I mean, the bottom line is, is that to, to cut oneself off from it, there's a famous story of Rav Munkas telling the Friedrich Alter Rebbe that, you know, Alter Rebbe was running away from, initially ran away from the government before being imprisoned in the story of Yudas Kislev. So he meets up with Rav Munkas, he asked Rav Munkas, should he give himself in? So Rav Munkas told him the famous statement that, you know, if you're a tzaddik, a real tzaddik, a real rabbi, then even nothing could harm you. And if you're not, how could you be taken away the pleasures from, from thousands of Jews? In other words, this idea of getting away from pleasure and seeing the world from this greater, more purposeful, meaningful level is not so readily easily for most people to attain. True, as we did mention before, as explained in Kundasar Mind, there is a concept that a person could recognize that the nature of a man is to want to strive above the physical world. But still, physical pleasure is something that is very tempting and very, you know, seems even rationally, as we spoke many times, seems even very logically to be purposeful and meaningful. So to argue that it's not it seems to be somewhat counterintuitive or counter-instinctive. So the Altareb explains that we see from this Gemara, this Gemara is highlighting that, 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 that that's not true, that even a person like a woman who's already in this weaker state and susceptible, and we're all like the woman in this case, she has the ability to control her desires as long as she doesn't allow the Ruach Shtus to enter. In other words, what's the Ruach Shtus? The Ruach Shtus is this... this this overwhelming feeling of wanting to do the sin, wanting to give in, but then there's another argument, which is there's a certain rationalization that kicks in as well. What's the rationalization? It's not so bad. I'm not really doing anything wrong. I'm not really disconnecting from God. You know, I'm giving in a little bit, you know, deep on a deep level, meaning there are people that sin without going through this process consciously, but deep on a deeper level, subconsciously, we go through this sort of like rationalization, okay, because a Jew, as we said before, never wants to be disconnected from God. So you begin to argue this is not so bad, it's not the end of the world, it's not really disconnecting from God, etc. And that ruach shtus, that dishonesty, that lack of objectivity, that lack of of recognition of the truth is what deludes us and fools us and, and persuades us to, or allows, or at least allows us to give into the pleasure and go for it. Um, you know, in a way of an analogy is, let's say, a parent that tells their child that, you know, I want you to not watch, you know, you know, movies or whatever. And the child is thinking, okay, he doesn't want to disobey his parents, but then the desire kicks in. So there's a rationalization that goes on. The rationalization is, okay, my parents don't want me to watch this type of movie. 
you know, a rated R movie or whatever, but another type of movie I could watch. And, they, you know, they start playing the, uh, the, 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 the levels of what's more harsher, what's more severe, which, one, which ones would my parents think or not think. Instead of just being honest and objective and recognizing that my parents don't want me to watch movies, period, because of the fact that every single one of them has something negative to it. And even the ones that are not as bad still are essentially bad. They, they disrupt and corrupt the person. Um, so that's sort of like the Shruach Shtus that pervades the person's mind and holds them back from allowing from their, for their Avamusoteris to their natural sense of God, their natural feeling of connection, connection to God. As we explained, that Avamusoteris is rooted in Chochmah, which is that bitl, that sense of complete giving oneself over to God and feeling that their whole purpose in life is only here to be a conduit for God's light. You conceal that. You, you shut it out. You, you, you make it very subconscious. And that enables you to start making these rationalizations, these, these logical, you know, categories of what's considered worse and what's not so bad, what's considered, for sure, Avedizar, I'll never do, I'll never do something like that, but this is not really Avedizar, this is, this is okay, or whatever. So the Altareb is going to, so to speak, what Altareb is going to do now is going to, is going to deal with these types of thoughts, these psychological rationalizations, and it's going to show how that's really not true. But it's understood, it's understandable from the perspective of the Ruach Shtus. Meaning from the perspective of the Ruach Shtus, it makes a lot of sense why a person would go through this process, why a person would think that this is true. But recognizing that it's a Ruach Shtus, identifying the problem, and realizing that it's just a way of, the rationalization is actually wrong, and recognizing that it's just a rationalization to get yourself to a point to sin, or to give in to your temptation, when you have that awareness and that ability, that in itself removes that Ruach Shos and makes you more objective again and therefore allows for the Avram Soteris to kick in because you recognize and realize what you're really truly, truly doing. What you're really truly doing is disobeying God. You're disobeying as an analogy of, your, of, of the parent and child. You're disobeying your parents. And no one wants to do that because, as we said, the nature of the Jew is to want to be connected to God at all times. So recognizing that and recognizing by doing this, you're actually doing Avodah Zori, actually even less than the Klippa, as we said, you're worse than the Klippa because they don't, at least don't, they don't go against God's will. Here you're deliberately going against God's will. So from all of that, we understand and appreciate why these things are actually not just wrong, but, but very corruptive, just like Avodah Zori itself. And the continuation and tomorrow's Tanya, the Altarev is going to bring up other sort of examples of where a person feels that maybe there's a justification. We see in certain cases, maybe there's a justification to give in to the temptations or so on and so forth. And the Altarev is going to have us understand that all of these arguments, these rationalizations really have no legs to stand on. But again, it comes from this awareness, the fact that we have a very, we're very easily susceptible. We're like this woman that is easily susceptible to, to give in to our temptations. And we have, therefore, need a, we need to be cautious of the fact that there's a Ruach Shtus that can kick in and, and make us become, make us very subjective to ourselves and our desires. And therefore, once we go down that, that road, it's very hard for us to therefore tear away from the klipa, from the negative, from, this, from the temptation. Because we already subjectively created a feeling of, you know, that it's okay. And that's what Altareba wants us to recognize, that it's not okay, you're actually doing something wrong. So to understand this, says Al-Tarebbe, based on what we said, now we can understand why the Gemara tells us in, in uh, Saita on the verse, when a man's wife goes astray, that that a person doesn't sin unless a Ruach enters. Now what's the Chiddush over here? Even a woman 
that is promiscuous. She's acting in an improper way. And Shadaita Kalan, she's a person who has this weakness of mind. In other words, she's naturally susceptible, more, more easily susceptible. As we said, the woman here refers to all Jews. Nevertheless, she would have been in control of her desires, except for the fact that there's this pervading, foolish thought that comes into her, this rationalization, which conceals and blocks and hides different levels over here of kisui, hastara, and haloma, of, of ways of pushing out any elements of the Ava Mesoteris to make the person change. And we also know sometimes when we go through certain experiences, we don't want to hear that this is wrong. We don't want to know that we're doing something wrong. We'd rather do it and at least not feel like we're doing something wrong. There's a concept even in Halakha, Mutavshi Shegim Alti Mazidin. But here it's like even subconsciously know that it's wrong, but you push away that thought because you don't want to be bothered by the fact that maybe doing something wrong and therefore you completely cut out that thought. You don't want to feel the guilt. You don't want to, a lot of times psychologically we, 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 we recognize that what we're doing is not the best or perhaps we're living in a negative train of thought. We're living in a negative you know, way of life and we know it, but we don't want to really dwell on that because we don't want to feel bad for ourselves and therefore get upset at ourselves or whatever it is. So that kind of idea is what happens here, is that the Avamus Terrace is really there, but you like block it out, push it away because of this shtus, this rationalization, and the Ava becomes Musuteris Shibanafsha, or the Kizaladavka becomes pushed away. The, the, the source that would have made the person feel connected by here you're pushing them all away not to feel any faith in God, not to believe Him, not to have a Munasashem properly, not to feel unified with Him and connected to Him. But here, the Avon Soteris would make a person feel this way, and and not to separate from God at all. Usually under circumstances, even if a person has to die, they will be willing to give up their lives for God in order not laver already said that even if the person the person isn't going to be on such a level of refrain from doing anything that's going to be even indicating that he's or she is desire by even bowing or really not feeling or believing it in your heart. So if this is true, the Avim Soteris really has that power. So Koshikin, how much more so argues the Alter Rebbe, this should be powerful. It should be as powerful, the Avim Soteris, meaning forget about the rational mind. Forget about, in Kuntus mind, the, the Rebbe Rashab explains how rationally a person should want to strive for something more spiritual than physical. But here the Alter Rebbe is not talking about the rational mind. Here the Alter Rebbe is talking about the, the emotional world. The, 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 the emotional world where the person feels the temptations to Ra, but there's also the Avim Soteris, which will make him feel not to be connected to the Ra. And if the Avim Soteris is strong enough to overwhelm the power, to overwhelm the struggle of Amuna, how much more so when it comes to a sort of something about just conquering the desire that he has of, of Niuf, which is acting inappropriately, which the punishment for that is much less, it's much lighter than, 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 than death. No one's telling you to die for it. So what happens? The person starts making rationalizations. Why does the person? Why does the woman give in? She makes a distinction between Starts rationalizing. Isur is not as bad. It's not as strong as bowing to Avodah Zarah. But Alter Rebbe says that itself is also the Ruchshus. So for the Ruchshus number one conceals, makes subconscious, pushes pushes away from your consciousness this Avam Musateris. But then the rationalization kicks in, which is, yeah, this is not as bad. This is not really going against God. 
So this is the Ruch Shus, the Klippa, Amalas Labeshes, Lenevishalikis, Adbachinus Chachashba could go into the Nevishalikis and overpower the Nevishalikis until the world of Chachma. As we already said, the world of Chachma can't impact. But can't impact Chachma because of Chachma is with the Urashem, which Chachma cannot, because Chachma is already earned. Saf is dealing with the infinite light of God. That the Nevish of Bahamas can never overwhelm. That the Ruch Shtus never overwhelms. So, meaning, because the question here that Alter is going to is bringing up, if the Ruch Shtus is so powerful, if the Ruch Shtus of Klippa is so powerful that it could overwhelm the, the Nevish of Kis and, and therefore hold it, block it, take it out of one's mind, then why does the person ever have an ability to reawaken it and, 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 and by a play, situation of, of Mesir Snefesh? And Alter Rebbe says, because it never, however much the Ruch Shtus permeates the person, and pushes away the Nefesh Elikis, and never could impact and push away the world of Chochmah. The level of Chochmah, which has the Ur Hashem within it, that can't be pushed away. The truth is, even the slight Avera. When you transgress an Avera, essentially what are you doing? You're going against God's will. And that moment when you're going against God's will, you're completely disconnected from God's ultimate unity. more, as we explained in yesterday's shir, even worse than the clip and the sitra and even worse than the things that get get their life force from klipa, Bailam has in this physical world, Shame Behemus Tmeis, which are the non pure kosher animals or highest and wild animals, Bahis and Birds Atme, which are not kosher Vishkots and Viramoshim and the insects and and flies. Kamaimer, as the Gemara says, Yitush Kadmoch, that when God created the world, He created everything bef- and then He created man. That means even the small mosquito, which as Altra will explain now, is, 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 is considered the lowest of the klipa, the worst of the klipa, because Kedusha represents giving, altruism. Klipa, as we mentioned in the chapter one, is, is narcissistic. There's no giving, there's no giving off of anything. So what personifies the ultimate klipa is the Yitush, is the mosquito. The mosquito sucks in blood but doesn't give anything off. Pierces the Alter Rebbe, that even a mosquito that takes in but never gives off. It's the most distant and lowest level of klipa. Mebchines Akdusha is most distant from Kedusha. Because what's Kedusha? Hamashpas. The idea of klipa is to give off, is to influence, is to have a, you know a shearing and altruism. But this, the 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 the, 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 the mosquito is and even that creation was created So when do we say that the person comes after this this lowly creature? Is only when the person actually allows himself to be lower than the creature by doing averis such as this, by allowing himself to go against God's will. So he allows himself to be disconnected from God. So then he's less than even the most lowest klipa, the, the klipa of these anim, of of this mosquito. Because all of these other things, even though they're very big clippers and lowly clippers and all that, and then the day they never go against God's will. And even though the animals themselves don't sense the fact that that they're, they're, there's a godly force. In other words, they don't have a conscious sight of God, but their d- deep consciousness, so to speak, has an awareness of God. And even in animals, there's this, this consciousness. So, as the Pesach says, that you're the fear and the dread of you, the Abishah tells 
Adam will be on all animals. In other words, that a wild animal won't be able, a predatory animal won't be able to have any control or attack a human being unless he sees that person as an animal. Because why can't he attack them? Because he naturally senses that this is a tzadam alakim, this is a godly thing. He doesn't want to start up with a godly thing. And what's the proof, says Al-Tarebbe? We see this by tzadikim, that their image of God is never removed from them. So then, the wild animals are submissive to them. As Zezer explains, about Daniel, when he was in the lion's den, the lions didn't touch him, even though they were hungry, because they sensed the greatness of the Tzalem Alekim. So what do you see from this? You see that the greatest, most wildest animals, the animals that are the most lowly, lowliest tumor in the world, still they would sense the holiness of Alekim. They don't understand what's going on because they don't have this consciousness and abstraction. But you see from their experience, from the way they behave, you see from in their behavior that they have this, this understanding that something that's godly, you don't start up with. And that means that they, don't have, they have a sense of not rebelling against God in any way, shape, or form. Even a human being, which, which has the Tzalim Lakim, they won't attack. They won't start up with. It's only when they see the person as being like an animal do they, do they attack the person. So therefore, if that's true, that the animals, the wild animals, the Tomedic animals, sense their God, sense somewhat of God, and therefore don't start up with it, don't try to rebel it. So the one who sins, and therefore goes against God, even with a light, small avera, at least, as long, at least at the time he's doing the action of avera, he's in the ultimate distance from the holiness of God, even worse and lower than all the animals that are tame, etc. So in other words, when a person recognizes this and realizes what he's really doing, that at the time he's doing this, he's actually coming lower than any clip in the world. He's in the ultimate state of distance from God. That would awaken the person to realize that any justification that they think they have is really nonsense. And therefore it destroys any sense of justification and allows the person to retain an objectivity, a clarity, a sense of truth and allow the Amasuteris to kick back in and say, you know what? Yeah, I have this desire, but I have a deeper connection to God. I don't want to lose. It's like in a husband and wife relationship. Yeah, there's sometimes the spouse wants to do something different, but then when they recognize how it's going to impact the relationship and create hurt or whatever, they overcome it. They recognize they don't want to be disconnected from their from their spouse on any level. And that's and that's the 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 understanding that one has to have in order to overcome even the simplest temptation and not fall for it.